Welcome everyone to the Kilroy Williams Show. We got a returning guest, my two brothers from two mothers. We got the Midnight Run guys are back and they're here to talk about the election. Welcome, Connor and Paul. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Kilroy, hey. Midnight, midnight Ride. Midnight Ride, I'm sorry. Midnight Ride, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Run, ride, that's right. Midnight Ride. That's right. <laughs> Paul Revere. You guys I mean, definitely do that. You give out the message. You warn people at that midnight stroke. No doubt about it. How's it going? Midnight Run was a, midnight run was a good movie, though. It was a good movie. I don't movie. know if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oldie but a goodie. I know. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oldie but a goodie. Yeah. So, Midnight Riders, um, what can we expect in less than 10 days from now? Well, you know, it, I'm, I'm going like, to defer to... Oh, you want to you want to start, Connor? No, I was going to defer to you. You know, we, we have, um, you know, Paul is... We're very lucky that Paul is kind of plugged in with the Republican intelligentsia, and, and he actually has access to a lot of their polling data. We've been talking about that pretty much, what would you say, Paul, every week for the last few weeks, we've kind of been updating people. And I, I think Paul has some very fresh data, some good stuff that I think is a harbinger of good things to come for America, potentially. Uh, our last week's show was titled, The Winds of Change Are Blowing, and it's starting to reach gale force. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Paul because he has a lot of this information. Yeah, well, one thing, oh, yeah, definitely. One thing I want to say about this is that the Republican Party has done a masterful job in sort of taking political theory and putting it into practice in, in this election. One thing that when, you know, beyond just the polls of like who's winning what race, you really have to dive down and look at the issues specifically of what matter to people. And the five issues that we're seeing in the polling across various polling sites, not just the ones I've seen, are these five issues that people care about the most. And that's inflation, economy, crime, education, and immigration. So you take those five, those are the, those, uh, you go through all Americans, that probably, you're looking at probably 80% of the people in the country have one of those top five issues uh, as the one that is most important to them. Paul, so repeat, what the repeat those so, five again. I will. So it's inflation, economy, crime, education, and immigration. So What's you take not in those there? five. Yeah, abortion is not in there. Mm -hmm. um, critical race theory is not in there. Uh, trans rights is not in there. Climate change is not in there. Mm -hmm. So you, you look at a few of those issues and you don't see them anywhere, right? Right. So if you look at what the, the, the party has done, the Republican Party I'm talking about, is they found a way to communicate those issues in a way that makes sense to the average American person. Uh, you know, you have to go back to 1992 with George H.W. Bush and the recession and Clinton, who just did this masterful job of, you know, I feel your pain on the economy. I feel your pain. Remember that <laughs> it's the economy, stupid, right? Yeah. We all, I mean, as, as cringe, as cringy as it is, we all inhale. I know I did not inhale. <laughs> I did not have sex with that woman. So, so you take those and, you know, then you had George HW Bush who was sort of, you know, he had the Persian Gulf thing, but that wasn't, you know, most Americans 
foreign policy is not that high up and he was out of touch on the economy. And you look at what's happening today. It's sort of the same thing over again. You have the president out there saying, oh, the economy's great. They don't understand. And I'm just I look at the, the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans on how they're handling these issues. And it's just night and day. And it's absolutely genius. And because of that, the Republicans have been able to really capture the uh, the electorate this year. And it's it's tremendous. And that's that's why, as you're seeing, you know, some of this polling move, that's that's the other piece that's interesting about all of this polling is that, you know, for a while, things were were you know, pretty close. You had the Dobbs decision that was pretty close and, and the polling was somewhat even. But the other thing is when you look at that polling from a few months ago, no one was really at 50%. Now all the undecideds have kind of come in and made their decision. You're seeing the numbers get up to up to 50% close to it. And, so, and that really, and they've all gone one direction. And that's made just a huge change. And you don't want to, you don't want to sort of uh, jinx yourself or anything like that. Everybody has yeah. to get out to vote. Polls yeah. are just polls. You know, I was watching Sean Hannity last night and he said that, you know, he's like, oh, this person's 10 points ahead and everyone's clapping and everything. And I'm like, no, don't be saying that because people are going to think, oh, we don't have to turn out and vote. You yeah. do have to turn out and vote. I think we just Absolutely. keep talking about this stuff and not take anything for granted. Before Paul gets into the polls, Kilroy, I, I want to really hit on something that he said there, which is, the Republicans are recognizing these issues and making it about those issues or making it about how the Biden administration has been responsible for those issues, such as the open border, such as the increase in crime, such as the uh, their, their policies, their, their pandemic policies and the American Rescue Plan causing the inflation. And the Democrats not only do not want to talk about those five issues and are trying not to, but when the issues have come up in these debates or reporters have actually finally done their jobs and asked the president or some of these people about them, their responses have been so tone deaf, they've been really damaged. For example, I think it was today or yesterday that the president was asked about the state of the economy. He, he did have some seemingly positive news that the GDP rebounded, that the economy grew by about two and a half percent. So it wasn't the negative growth that we'd experienced the two previous quarters. But there's so many other economic indicators that are going really, really bad that Americans think things are really bad. Right. So the president gets up there today and he says, you know, in my family, you know, when I was growing up, when things were really bad, we switched from Kellogg's raisin brand to generic raisin brand. And you save about a dollar doing that. It's not, it's not the food prices, it's the packaging. And that's his, know, answer. that's his answer. Clearly somebody, obviously Kilroy, Joe Biden is not shopping for groceries in 2022. Eggs are up 30%. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these, you know, milk, all of the fruits and vegetables, all of this stuff, the staples, which are not even, it doesn't even matter that's costing more for consumers. So that's one thing, the tone deafness. In the debates, we had the debate in New York the other night where seemingly, you know, you know, Kathy Hochul 
you wouldn't think she would have any chance of losing given the numbers of Democrats and Republicans in that state. But Lee's keeps hitting on crime because New Yorkers care about crime. And she actually said something like, I don't know why you care about this so much, but there are consequences for criminals. I don't know why you care about this so much. Voters are hearing that. And we had something similar in Michigan where, you know, the other night where uh, Tudor Dixon was debating the governor there and uh, Governor Whitmer was talking about this, you know, was asked about this massive uprising in Dearborn of all of these people, the pornography books in the library. And she's like, what's more important, books or guns? So it's clear that these people, just like uh, the, the guy in Virginia last year, uh, yeah, Terry McAuliffe, he did the Terry, same thing. He, he sure did. They don't, they don't understand what voters really care about. The Republicans seem to. And, you know, you have people like Herschel Walker who are just standing up there saying, well, Senator Warnock, you voted with Biden, you know, 100 percent of the time. So this seems to be working. But as Paul says, you can take nothing for granted. If you haven't already voted, vote. Vote on November 8th. If you're a Democrat, your day to vote is on November 9th. But let's get out there and vote. Mm A hundred percent. And another issue that the Republicans were able to turn on the Democrats was abortion. In after Dobbs, the race tightened up. People were saying that the, the Democrats, this is huge for them because everybody said, you know, most Americans are pro-choice. And what the Republicans did, which was another stroke of political genius, is instead of just it being this pro-choice versus pro-life debate, the Democrats made the the, the Republicans made the Democrats uh, hold on and and be supportive of the issue. They support abortion with no restrictions up until the moment of birth, right? So they took that and they turned it on its head. And on the Republican side. They didn't all say they all kind of have different messages, right? It's generally pro-life, but in some cases it's common sense restrictions. In some cases it's four months. In some cases it's six months. In some cases it's 12 weeks. Uh, in some cases there's, uh, you know, exceptions for rape and incest. But what's happened is the Republicans were able to turn the narrative around. And instead of the Democrats being the one sort of in the mainstream conversation, seeming reasonable on abortion. It's now the Republicans that seem like the pragmatic party on abortion. And that took that away from, from the issue too. And as uh, we talked about this a few months ago on two, two, when we were on your show uh, about two things, one was Mitch McConnell. And I said that I, you know, we don't really like Mitch McConnell too much, but he's a political genius. And his, I mean, the money that he raised for these ads that he's running in, in all of these states is really what is putting this over the top. So you have to give him a little bit of credit, no matter what you feel about him. I mean, that's yeah. a, a huge, a huge thing with, uh, with Mitch McConnell. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, do I like his politics and where he stands on the issues? Is he a swamp creature? Of course. But this guy knows how to win be- elections better than anybody. Yeah, I'd rather have him in there than the elders, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it, what are you, what are you seeing Kilroy and where you are? How are, how are things looking on the ground? Well, out here in Colorado, it's, uh, 
it's it's still you know it's the purple state i think and of course the denver metropolitan area they're gonna i, I think that governor is he's gonna go back in i think i think he's gonna that's just my personal feeling about it i mean i i can just i it's just you know it's, it's just that certain area that's just gonna go with the blind and just vote him back in <laughs> and he and he's the one that shut you know things down during the pandemic and uh, you know, and he's more concerned about having kindergarten full time than, than the economy. And, you know, it's the same old liberal garbage, you know, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't see any change too much here in Colorado as far as a strong Republican candidate to beat him. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I don't think she will. It's a lady, I forget her name, but she, I, I, I just don't see, you don't even see the ads here, local TV about her. It's all him. It's just kind of the writing on the wall. I, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, I think, I think that would be a that'd be a big upset if that. I the think the Republicans seeded that race, but uh, what's O'Day is he's he's coming on pretty strong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against Bennett, isn't he for the Senate? Yeah, I mean, I like I like what I'm seeing from him. He's a pragmatic yeah. businessman. I like yep. the way he speaks. I've seen some of his conversations. Yeah, I think he has a shot. He's, I think he does have a good shot. He does have a shot. And Bennett is this kind of guy. I mean, he does nothing. I mean, I don't think he ever sponsors bills. I don't. He's kind of one of those like mail it in kind of senators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the last month, oh. we have seen a lot of governor's races. I mean, Senate races that we thought were not possible that suddenly are. I mean, the governor's races in Michigan, Minnesota, Oregon, New York even might be, uh, we might have a puncher's chance. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I I mean, you know, concede nothing, continue to talk about the issues, Mm -hmm. um, point it out, you know, when they are espousing policies that hurt our kids, that hurt our economy, that only protect the elites. Because, you know, the discussion I keep having with members of my family and everybody else is, what do they stand for? You know, they stand for the elites, not not you and me. Right. Yeah, what they're essentially, I mean, the issues that they've taken is they're trying to divide people by race and gender and and oh, turn God. everybody against each other so that the elites stay in control, so that the public doesn't get unified. I mean, that's really what, what it's all about. And it's failing mm-hmm. because all the kitchen table real issues, they don't know how to manage them. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, it's, it's completely you know they've completely failed look look for them to also use the uh what happened in nancy pelosi's uh, house today uh with her husband uh, look for them to use to say it's probably a uh maga people that did it to her husband did you get you guys heard about that right did you hear about that sure did is it like yeah. it could be a a, a unless it could be a jesse smollett situation well yeah yeah <laughs> so here here's some of yeah. the things that i've heard and i you know again i'm 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 following this on the new now free speech version of Twitter. But yeah, as I, as I it. understand it, what I'm seeing is there was a 2 a.m. wellness check that mm. was called to the police to check on Paul Pelosi. Mm. Wow. And when the police showed up, they happened to see uh, this guy who was in his underwear, by the way, wrestling with paul pelosi but isn't that everybody in san francisco walking around on the street in their underwear that's true so you can't really make anything out of that was he defecating also well you know so a guy right in the living room 
wrestling <laughs> wrestling with with Pelosi for the hammer after just minutes after the cops were called for a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And um and then he happens to say, where's Nancy and all this stuff. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I hate to, to question, we'll have to see what the facts are. I mean, the, the integrity of the Pelosi family is very much in question on the midnight ride. But yeah. um, if we take the facts as they come in, you know, we can say that there's a horrible trend in our country of political violence. We've seen it mostly against Republicans, but, um, you know, it it should never be condoned. And what has not happened in San Francisco a whole heck of a lot is criminals getting prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, which is why their district attorney was recalled earlier this year. Whoever this person is uh, needs to be put under the jail, and and that's how we deal with it. Well, my question is, is I don't don't believe it. I don't believe anything they say anyway. I'm not going to believe what they say back. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, really I mean, my question is, hey, Kilroy, is this guy going to be released on no cash bail just like yeah. everyone else yeah. in San Francisco? I mean, that's yeah. that's what I would like to know, because, I, you know, look, the police were there. They show up for a wellness check. They're obviously there mm-hmm. for anything the Pelosi's need. The average resident of San Francisco, you know, if they call the police, they won't even show up. They won't even come. They take hours to get there they won't prosecute they won't charge they won't do anything and so i mean if i'm the average resident of san francisco i'm looking like where's my police protection right i mean i i don't get anything so i mean regardless of of you know how the circumstances of this horrible attack and this guy needs to go to jail for a long time i mean this kind of thing these assaults like this are happening in san francisco nonstop and when you think those people a, need to be protected when you think it'd be a gated uh house they live in and I mean, how that person get in that just sounds like a little fishy to me i don't know <laughs> i know i, I hope he's okay have, i hope he's no, okay I have, it's I like the same reaction i mean mm. she has security i'm sure but when she's traveling i mean would he not get it i mean i don't know yeah. how that works for this i don't yeah. know what, how all that stuff is but it's an interesting thing you do you want to get into these people are yeah <laughs> Yeah, they can afford I mean, private security you know, at all hours. I was shocked they didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. makes you wonder. I know. Makes you wonder. What do you guys think about Arizona with the governor there? How, you know, with, with uh, Katie Lake's doing. She is great. Uh, Lake is amazing. I love to see the way she talks. She's super articulate. She really reaches, you know, she's really good at describing the issues and it also helps that she's running against Hobbs, who is probably the worst candidate of this entire cycle. I've never seen, you know who she reminds me of? You've seen her talk, the, the Hobbs. She, she reminds me of like Tina Fey from Saturday Night Live, where she's like oh, smelling she her armpits, you know? Does. Yeah, you're, <laughs> I think it's a skit. You're right. I know. It's like, is that a real person? I mean, and they, they're, I remember in the debate in the Good Morning America, they're asking her, well, why won't you debate? Mm-hmm. lake and she's like well this is my campaign and i run it the way i want it and i'm like wow that's you're not gonna win <laughs> that's that's the best the democrats can do i mean i don't know maybe okay. maybe robert wilson o'rourke or robert, robert i forget francis his, robert, robert francis Fra- robert francis o'rourke or stacy abrams could be worse she is bad you know carrie lake is a polished television broadcaster she's got no sort doubt. of a Re- reagan-esque quality because she's so comfortable 
around microphones and cameras. Uh, and, you know, Hobbs has, has torpedoed her own campaign with this debate thing. Uh, so that is very encouraging. But what it sets up if she wins is definitely this sort of Trumpian, you know, policies as it pertains to election rules, which we know that there was possibly some hijinks in Maricopa County. Also, she intends to use her state employees and state maybe National Guard or, or state law enforcement to expel or prevent illegal immigrants from crossing into Arizona via the southern border, which could mm -hmm. set up a showdown with the federal government. Yeah, it's very possible it could. If you look at the polling there now, we've got a couple recent polls. Uh, the Fox 10 Insider Advantage poll has Lake up 11 and Data for Progress, which is a Democratic polling organization, has Lake up four. Uh, she's got a pretty comfortable lead. What's interesting, though, is is Kelly and how far and Masters in that race and sort of how far Masters is is behind uh, from a from a polling standpoint, as opposed to where Lake is. On average, I mean, he's polling anywhere from I'd say five to twelve points mm. uh, below what Kerry Lake is, and that to me is a little bit concerning. A couple months ago, we were saying that Arizona could be the pickup that gets us to to take the Senate back. But now it's some of the other states have surged for the Republicans more than Masters. And I don't know what it is that why Masters can't get over the hump there. I mean, he seems like he's not a regular politician. He seems he's very well spoken. I like to see him talk. There's a great uh, documentary about him that they did on Fox Nation, uh, which was just recently, which was great. Um, I don't know if it's the astronaut thing with Kelly or or what it is, but I don't know why Masters can't get over the hump. I still think he can pull it off, but it, mm -hmm. but Lake's going to have to win by a lot for Masters to win. Yeah. I think that Hobbs, as you point out, Paul, I think Hobbs is unpopular. You know, in both the Pennsylvania and Arizona races, voters who might ordinarily vote for the Democrat, in the case of Hobbs, they're saying, well, wait a minute, you have to debate, lady. And in the case of Fetterman, they said the same thing. And, you know, the fact that Fetterman is so obviously impaired and damaged, some of these independents and people who are not super progressive nutcases are starting to go away from Hobbs and away from Fetterman. Kelly and his wife Giffords do have popularity in Arizona. And so it's a tougher road for masters. It can be done, though. I think no. one thing that I yeah, want that is really going to be a nail biter uh, election night because you're even seeing some of the very accurate polls. Uh, the insider advantage poll to me leans uh, probably is a little bit more favorable to the Republicans than most polls. I don't think that Lake has really has an 11 point lead. And I think that Kelly may have a two to three point lead over masters right now. That's, that's my so My do you think maybe, take. Paul, you think it might be a runoff with those guys? Um, do they do runoffs in Arizona? I don't, they don't they do runoffs, runoffs, do they? They don't have, okay. In Arizona. No, but you know, I'll, you just brought up a great point, Kilroy, because on the ballot in Arizona this year, I believe, 
it may be Arizona or Nevada is this issue of ranked choice voting. Have you followed that in Alaska and how that works? No, I have not. So ranked choice voting is this is how why a Democrat is probably going to get elected in Alaska to the House. Mm. So the, which, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Right. In Alaska, it's, it's almost hard to believe. But right. the way ranked choice voting is, is that instead of choosing who to vote for, you, you have a whole list of candidates from multiple parties and you rank them like one through five. And essentially, if your candidate doesn't achieve enough votes in the first round, it gets thrown out. And then your next uh, choice person becomes first. So it's like so the essentially, <laughs> yeah, sort of. And you get like disenfranchised because essentially the second round it, if you didn't, if you didn't choose anybody as number two, you get disenfranchised. Your vote then there on out doesn't count. That's why I think it's unconstitutional. But uh, that's on the ballot. Uh, that's on the ballot in Arizona, I believe, this, this time around to move that to ranked choice voting. That's one of the big things that I think Zuckerberg and Soros, they're all trying to push saying that it's going to put more moderates on. But what it really does is serve to help the Democrats. So sure. they the ranked choice voting is is a real mess and you know a runoff i like i think runoffs are a great a great way of doing it i i like mm -hmm. i like how they do it in georgia i think if you if if you have to do the runoff to get 50 percent, i don't see anything wrong with that it makes you go out and vote again sometimes you know obviously it depends on turnout but uh the ranked choice does not does not work so that's thing, that's my thought one thing we may have going for us in this election is that in 17 states, we may have mentioned this last time we chatted, Kilroy, but in 17 states, at least, uh, there were tightening up of election rules based, you know, all of those loopholes that the Democrats purposely put into place to help get the election last time. Many of those are gone. In Georgia, we've got voter ID now. There's other things going on. In Texas, if you're going to vote absentee, you have to put your driver's license number on your absentee ballot. These are common sense election integrity measures that the Democrats likened to Jim Crow, which is absurd. We're seeing massive early voter turnout, record early voter turnout in Georgia. But it eliminates the loopholes that the Democrats exploited the last time around. The other thing that is really, I think, an underrated and maybe the story of this election, Democrats for so many decades since the Great Society have taken black voters completely for granted as Absolutely. they voted 95. Yeah. 95% as recently <laughs> as a couple of dates, 95% Democrat. That's now like mid eighties or low eighties, the Hispanic vote, the large, the fastest growing group in the electorate are now about even Democrats and Republicans losing the Hispanic vote. And this is rearing its head in Georgia and Texas, certainly, but I wonder if it isn't going to affect things in Arizona is really hurting the Democrats. Yeah. They have always said that, well, the white population is in decline. We've got these, you know, black and brown people. That's what they say. Those are their words for anybody that's listening. I hope you're not offended. But this is how they talk about them. Black and brown people, BIPOC, people of color. These are the same people that called them colored before. Now they call them people of color. But they group them as a homogenous block that only cares about certain issues. 
And it turns out that they care about the same issues that other Americans do, like the right. economy, right? like the quality of their children's schools, school choice. And here's some, some numbers that are pretty interesting. Um, not only are they split evenly between Democrats and Republicans in the generic congressional ballot, in a hypothetical 24 matchup, in a rematch between Trump and Biden, a Wall Street Journal poll said that Hispanic voters favored Biden only by one point. And in 2020, they had 26 point advantage. OK, um, Biden's net approval running uh, rating among Hispanics in that same poll, negative 12 underwater. Uh, Biden's losing support, of course, across all racial groups, but mostly and most sharply from Hispanics. Mm -hmm. And nowhere is that worse than in Texas. Texas is the lowest uh, disapproval or the highest disapproval for Biden. And that is largely because of the immigration issue. So a lot of yeah, these that border, rich, yeah. yeah, a lot of these rich white elites think let more in and they'll vote for us. It's the exact opposite, Kilroy. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't yeah. like lawlessness. They, they don't like this. And so if we see a red tsunami, it is largely going to be because the Democratic Party is so out of touch with not only working class white Americans, but all working class Americans and this group that they took for granted. 13% of the population is black, about 19% and growing is Hispanic. And that was largely out of play before Donald Trump. But now it's almost even with his, it is even with Hispanics and black voters are coming to the Republican Party. So I think, uh, Paul, you know, we're probably going to talk about this on this week's show in addition to some of the other things. But my goodness, what a disastrous failure by Joe Biden. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's you know, sometimes I I feel like I'm watching like a B Hollywood horror movie, you know, when it's when I'm when like I'm, I'm, I'm like in the middle of it with with the him, original. You know? It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's like it's like, you know. <laughs> from the producers of Midnight Run for the Border and Inflation <laughs> Fast and Furious Edition brings you, you know, World War Three <laughs> out of Afghanistan. You know, it's like all these you could like make up movie names for all these like horrible, horrible things and disasters that that Biden has has brought upon us. But the point that that Connor brought up was a good one. Because guys, we're just all Americans. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're Hispanic or you're Muslim American. I mean, we're we all care about the same things. We care about our kids. We care about our our you know making a living. And what the Democrats have done over the last few years with these minority groups is just really condescending. I mean, to think that they somehow just care about you know their own race and don't think about anything else in their life. It, it's, it's really gone to the fact of losing touch with the American people as a whole. And that's sort of a symptom of it. I mean, just if you look at the issues that they talk about when it's, uh, you know, whether it's uh, abortion or whether it's, uh, you know, January 6th or election deniers or Trump getting indicted or uh, drag shows or transphobia, Somehow, maybe it's just on their little bubbles and their laptops or something, but they just, they've completely lost touch with any issues that people care about. 
you know, it just, it's crazy. Maybe that's just sort of when you, when you're in your own little well, they don't, they don't, world they don't in DC people. and San Francisco and all that. No, they don't care about the American people. They really don't. They, you know, they just have an agenda, you know, and you, you were talking yeah, it's about an ideological the, agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about the, the, the racial thing that they always bring up, you know, dividing and everything. I'm sure you guys heard, did you see what Biden was trying to bring in a racial thing with the tickets of the airline ticket prices? Did you see that? Yeah. Did so I didn't see that. that. What did he say? I didn't see it. So, you know, President Biden, again, they're, they're not wanting to talk about inflation and some of these, you know, kitchen table issues, but he did bring up the, I think it was, uh, Wednesday, he was out there and he was talking about all of these fees that the airlines do. And mm-hmm. listen, I'm with the president on this. I mean, you know, when we were younger, we would buy an airline ticket and that ticket entitled us to yep. a seat. It entitled to a, us to uh, bring a bag onto the plane, perhaps, um, and maybe some snacks and other things. Well, now there's no snacks or, or there's no meal. You have to pay to bring bags on in many cases. If you want anything other than the middle seat, you have to pay. And if you want, so, you know, it's sort of like the Titanic. I mean, you're in steerage, you know, D class, whatever, if you pay the base fare. But he was talking about how if you'd like six inches more of leg room, you have to pay a little bit more. Now, that should be an outrage for any working class, middle class American or, or you know, working class person why should i have to pay more for six inches why should that banker that's up there and some airlines are even eliminating first class because people aren't flying it but you know there's business class there's other things and so if you can pay six dollars whatever the fee is you get the six inches more so biden was i think correctly advocating for the, the working class people saying this is bs but then he tied it to race he said you know yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, people of color, BIPOC, you know, uh, black and brown people, uh, he did say working class, but he, he, he likened it to, you know, he mentioned blacks and Hispanics. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy who, who once said, and not, I think it went in during his campaign for president, he said, you know, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. I mean, he, he, <laughs> And this is this is another reason why he's losing black voters, because he also said, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. No, I know that part. But he actually many times when he talks about his growing up in, in Scranton and Delaware, the poor areas were always the black areas. And he ties to that. And when he said, you know, poor kids are just as smart as white kids in Joe Biden's mind, all black Americans are poverty stricken, you know, and he doesn't realize what he's doing there because, you know, memo to whoever's, you know, controlling the puppet strings, a lot of black Americans are very successful. Yes, they, they are. They're very educated. They're, you know, not only um, American born black Americans, but also African-American immigrants from places like Nigeria, Kenya, other places. Um, they're very successful. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there, there may be socioeconomic challenges, just like every other death, ethnic group has. But, you know, if you're, uh, you know, a hair salon owner in Atlanta and you're hearing this and you're going, 
dude, I don't like the fees either, but I can afford it more than most white Americans. What is this guy talking about? He is a racist, and we've known that for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't forget what he said about 7-Eleven, too. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That was, that was, that was, that was crazy, right? So if we're looking at, you know, I think we've got about 15, 20 minutes left, and we haven't even gotten down into all of, all, all of these polls yet. But, you know, another one I want to bring attention to, and we haven't been watching it that closely, is Florida. Um, To give you guys an example of the history of elections in Florida, we all know they've been very close. We know DeSantis won by 36,000 votes um, over uh, whatever the guy that was found in his hotel room with a dead male escort and mask all over the place, Andrew Gillum. Andrew Gillum. (laughs) Yep, Andrew Gillum. So so I looked back... uh, into the history of Florida elections since 2006, not one governor's race has been decided by 1% or more. So every single governor's race since 06 has been under a percent uh, when the final tally has been, has been done. I mean, can you imagine a state that is razor thin like that? Mm. And now that's Florida, two, rec- two recent poll. I said since 2006. So we're looking In at Florida. 14 years. Yeah, in Florida, not okay. one governor's race has been decided by by uh, more than a percent. So now you're looking at some polls across the board. Data for Progress has DeSantis plus twelve. University of North Florida has DeSantis plus fourteen. So if you can, you look at numbers like that, and you compare that even to the 2010 election where I think Rick Scott won by like 0.8% or something. I mean, and that was a huge red wave for Republicans that year. So just look at that change for a second, 14 points. And it could be more than that. I mean, it helps of course, I guess that he's running against Charlie Crist, but um, you know, but, but still, I mean, that shows you how insane this wave is. There's another, um, another a couple house districts out there that are worth looking at and uh, one is the i talked about it on the last show it's in south georgia it's uh i can't remember the number i think it's georgia too and it's it's it includes macon columbus a few places like that it's been represented by a guy by the name of sanford bishop african-american moderate for the last uh, 30 years and he's won by 20 points every single time that he's run. 20 points or more every single time, except for one, which was, I think, was 2010 when he won by, I think, 16. Now his opponent, Chris West, who's a develop- real estate developer, Air Force veteran, is now margin of error. Three points. The margin of error is 4.2 with 9% undecided. And you have to think that most of those undecided are going to vote for Republican, there's a very good chance that Bishop may lose that seat. So I'm seeing some individual races here that isn't just showing a red wave. It's showing literally historical changes in voter patterns that I've never seen in my lifetime. And none of us, I don't think any of us have ever seen this in our lifetime, going back as far as we can remember. I mean, you don't see 20 plus point swings in solid blue districts like that. I mean, just looking at what's happening in New York. So this is, it's really, 
I almost can't believe it until election night is over. Until you see it. Because yeah. I just, I, it just doesn't even, it, it almost doesn't compute. I mean, that's well, how crazy it is. Yeah. If that Georgia wow. district flips, it's a red tsunami. And talking about um, tone deafness, mm-hmm. you know, the president of the world, Stacey Abrams, election denier extraordinaire, she was asked about these issues that all Georgians care about because the economy is very hard on them as well. And she said something like, well, you know, this is a this is not a reductive issue. I mean, if people are having a hard time buying groceries, abortions can help with that. You know, abortion, yeah. you know, and, and listen, in, in the Southern Baptist, you know, Bible Belt that Georgia is, that one probably went over like a lead balloon. Mm-hmm. Also, and, and this is what I'm saying. I mean, the loss of all of these black and Hispanic voters is killing the Democrats everywhere. The other thing is about DeSantis and, and you, you know, Paul, you bring up a great point. I mean, Charlie Crist is a joke. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was the one that they chose to run is because they, they pay pretty much at our kind of is a politistration went from about 50, 50, even to, Republicans having a 300,000 or 400,000 voter advantage. He kept their economy rolling during. He has fought for parents. He has led on every issue. He is America's governor. And he absolutely should be the nominee in 2024. And, and mm-hmm. whatever gains might, may or may not be made, you know, coming up on November 8th, could destroy by Donald Trump if hubris gets in our way. Mm-hmm. Out to you yeah. guys for a reaction. No, I mean, I you know, I think you remember from our last show, Kilroy, we, we had some mm-hmm. not so nice things to say about Donald Trump in a lot of ways. And I, I think that mm-hmm. what this election has showed, and I have to say, Trump has not been as front and center in this election as uh, he could have been. And I think that's a very smart thing, um, because if you look at that last election in 2020, uh, the Republicans outperformed Trump in a lot of those House races. You know, like Dan Crenshaw, I think he ran 14 points mm-hmm. ahead of Trump in his district. And as much as we like Trump's policies, he turns a lot of people off. And I just don't think he's a winning combination right now. And I don't think he's what the Republican Party needs. I think he should be more of an elder statesman, his ego, the party on his policy. ego is going to yeah. get in the way of that though. That's the thing. I mean, that's his that's, ego. I know he's, he's not going to step down and let DeSantis come right, walking right in. I don't see him doing that. No. And that's just extremely selfish in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's just, his ego is getting way ahead of himself. And I don't think it's really good because if you're looking at some of these polls, another one I want to go to and uh, Connor brought up the Hispanic vote is New Mexico. Uh, this is one that everybody thought was safe Democrat. Um, Lujan Grisham is the, the governor. New Mexico has really been a blue state over the years. And she's now losing by one point to a, uh, a Republican in New Mexico. And that is, has been, uh, yeah, and you can't even, you can't make that stuff up. Patty Murray in Washington may lose. I mean, these are people that, I mean, you could have, I mean, I the, de- the I Democrats could win. 
I agree with Connor. Yeah. It's, it's a snobby coming. <laughs> if this, if yeah, this I mean, they, I don't it. know. They could, yeah, I mean, they could win 50 to 60 seats, maybe. I mean, in the house, like it could be, everybody said that it was impossible, but it is possible. I mean, I'm looking at the way things are looking right now. I mean, I don't, how many governor's races, I mean, if I go to the, the governor's map on real clear politics, I mean, you've got all these toss ups and you've only got, you've got four likely GOP states. You've got three lean GOP states. You have a whole bunch of toss ups in Kansas, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Oregon is now going to probably go Republican. Uh, Oklahoma, New wow. York is now a toss up. The only states that are up right now that that are lean or likely Democrat is Connecticut, Illinois, Rhode Island, and Colorado. I mean, if if mm -hmm. Republicans can win like ten of these twelve toss ups, I mean, I think they're going to have like forty governorships or something. Wow! I mean, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. What about how? What about Hawaii? They're still going to be Democrat, oh, right? Oh that yeah, that's never going to yeah. change. Yeah, with yeah, so. that's Hirono, our good friend. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that <laughs> were to happen, that would be like wow. <laughs> let me let me ask you guys yeah. something else. And we talked about the, the demographics, and one of the demographic demographics being ethnicity, which the three of us all agree that if you cut us all open, we bleed red, white, and blue. Um, the Democrats like to divide and, and divide people into those groups, but the issues that are affecting the electorate and those five issues Paul talked about, they all are indiscriminate. You know, they, 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 have, they affect everyone. Um, so the demographics of ethnicity are, are killing the Democrats right now. Here's another one I'm, I'm curious about. Age. Look at our political leadership right now. You have Corn Pop as president. Mm -hmm. You got Schumer and Pelosi who Pelosi, I think, is 76 or somewhere like that. People like Diane Feinstein, you know, others. I mean, you, you mentioned Patty Murphy. Just put her in front of a camera and look at her. I mean, maybe Americans. You, you look at somebody like Tudor Dixon or. Uh, I like looking at Tudor Dixon. I do, too. Blake, <laughs> you know, Blake Masters, Blake Masters, J.D. Vance. Maybe Americans are saying we want a younger, more energetic representation, somebody that represents me, not mm -hmm. not the boomer generation, but mm -hmm. a younger person who is more attuned to my pain. And dinosaurs. I don't. Yeah, there's dinosaurs in both parties. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, some of these. Well, yeah, McConnell's are, a dinosaur, too. He does. I mean, that's the same yep. thing. He doesn't. Well, no, they call him turtle. Either. but Yeah, turtle <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, but a lot of the names we've been mentioning are people in their 40s and 50s who yep. have energy. Yep. And, um, you know, at Laxalt is another one. So there's is are people fed up with the old guard who they believe are out of touch? Because when you put when you mm -hmm. question them on the issues, they don't want to talk about the issues that are affecting all the Americans. Oh, why do you keep harping on crime? Well, you know, just switch to generic Raisin Bran. I mean, are, are, are you kidding me? So I wonder if the age of the candidates is also because, you know, as we've said on the Midnight Ride, we'd like to have a constitutional amendment limiting the age that you can uh -huh. run for president. Absolutely. 
Um, but but some of these legislatures and, and governors as well, I think people may be saying, let's get somebody younger in there. Yeah, what are your that's thoughts? A possibility. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Because you, you, you see it in the polls, right, with these, these younger uh, candidates that are coming out now. And they're getting tired of, of these old dinosaurs doing the same old stuff, nothing getting done, but just brutalizing us and destroying our country. It's the way I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing what, and, you know, we, we say that, you know, sometimes we're not that flattering to Trump and we talk about his ego and everything, mm-hmm. but Trump reshaped the entire political map and the issues of the country yeah. in a way that is a, po- a complete positive And I think has moved the country in the right direction for the long term. He is, he is what we needed at that time. I think. Yep. He completely, he, he changed what we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. China's now on the map, right? The working class is back on the map. The, yep. the issues that matter to people are back on the map. The, the dishonesty of the media is now mainstream discussion. Uh, everything, the immigration that was being ignored by both parties is now a big issue. Every, because of him, he, he's had the biggest impact on the state of politics and the issues that we mm-hmm. talk about. And I think giving the American people control of issues and not being ignored anymore that I've never seen before. Maybe Reagan yeah. is the only other person that was close to that and yeah. maybe not even as much. Time. Yep, been a yeah, time. and maybe not even as much as so. Yeah. You know, I take my hat off to him because what he he did was amazing, and he may not be the person for right now, but his mm-hmm. legacy is going to stick with us forever. And the Republican Party has been reshaped in a way that uh, is set up to really do great work for the American people. And the de- and the Democratic Party has been reshaped as a result of Donald Trump as well, not as not in a good way. So as Paul says, I mean this has been completely transformational and mostly good, not all good, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly Mm -hmm. good because there are some, some other issues we're still sorting through with January 6th and other things. And I, I do not agree with the narrative that they're spinning about January 6th. However, however, you know, there are there, let's not, let's not absolve the president of, of all blame for that. I mean, certainly I don't think there was a conspiracy or anything like that, but um, you know, I think all of these groups that we're talking about might not be with the Republicans today, were it not for Trump. And, you know, this could, this election and next could go really, really well if, if he makes the right decisions. Yeah. Let's just hope we'll pray about that. That's for sure. I, we're starting to run out of time, guys, So, because I know you guys are on a tight schedule. Um, just real quickly, your opinions about Herschel Walker and also with uh, the Pennsylvania um, with Oz. What, what do you, what, I saw the, uh, I'm sure you did too, the uh, debate with, uh, with Oz and Fetterman, and that was like a disaster. I, I feel sorry for the guy, you know, and, and everything, and I, I wish him well, but he's definitely not in a position for, for that, is he? He's not. Unfortunately, uh, to Fetterman, I mean, it's, the health is really a hard, hard thing for him. And I don't think that anybody that's had a stroke and is somewhat mentally incapacitated. And I think that mm-hmm. I think the auditory and and the his issues articulating, I think that 
it could very well go beyond just that and and be you know some sort of brain issue we just don't know but i mean i also don't want those health issues to sidetrack us from let's not forget i mean this guy is to the left of bernie sanders i mean he's I mean, yeah. you, you look at some of the things that he talked about. It's truly scary. I, we were talking about him a few months ago on on the Midnight Ride. And, I mean, he's literally, he was a combination of, I had I, always said, he's a combination of Elizabeth Warren and John Ossoff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a guy that's never done anything in his life, like Ossoff, you know, sleeping on people's couches and, and getting supported by his parents. And then he's yeah. got this, like, this mean left wing far left socialist Marxist fervor that, that uh, Elizabeth Warren has. And you put those two together and it's, it's a real scary combo. So, you know, I just, yeah. So, I mean, the people of, and, and I think he's going to lose. I mean, I think at this point, I think Oz has the momentum. You have to look at the way things are going. I think the debate, Mm -hmm. uh, even though we overheard Schumer on the mic talking to Biden the other day saying it didn't hurt us too much. Right. I think it did. I mean, I, I at this point, you know, the only thing that I could see Fetterman pulling out, Pennsylvania has not changed their voting laws since the last election. They're still just as liberal on the voting as as they were in 2020 with the no voter ID and the mail in and yeah. all that. So I, I do think that that kind of thing is going to could very well impact the race. I don't 100 percent know, but I'd have to give it to, to Oz at this point. What do you think, Connor? Well, you know. I think about Lieutenant Governor Fetterman the same way I do about Joe Biden, which is damn the people who are Mm -hmm. using these individuals for the pursuit of their own power. Joe Biden should be playing with his grandchildren right now and and trying to keep Hunter out of the the crack house and the whorehouse instead of leading our country into God knows what. Um, And but and they saw I mean, he couldn't campaign. They kept him kind of. They managed to, to get them through, and you know I don't want to belabor how they did that, but he shouldn't be in there. And John Fetterman, as, as Paul said, he may well win, but after the stroke, they should have gone to somebody else. He's clearly yes. mentally unfit. The position of United States senator is one that requires not only public speaking skills, but intelligence and mental faculties and a lot of things you got to travel a lot sometimes overseas he's not up for the job now i respect fetterman for agreeing to the debate and trying to do it now some of the we've seen today or this week some communications leaked from within the democratic insider saying whoever agreed to doing this should be fired and and should never work a, a political campaign again that may be true but fetterman believed in his heart, I believe that the voters had a right to see him and he did his best, but that's the best he can do right now. And maybe that's the best he can do ever again, but certainly for, for the indefinite amount of time. So he should, I'm not super crazy about Dr. Oz, but Mm -hmm. if you're in Pennsylvania right now, you need to vote for Dr. Oz because you're electing a, you know, a a midwit to be a U.S. Senator. Otherwise he's just not up for the job. And I, and I don't, I don't blame Fetterman. I blame the who people put him who, in there. Yeah. yeah, the people who are hungry for power. Well, if he were, if he were yeah. in there, they would just tell him what to vote. They would just tell him what to do, like they do Biden. You know, that's what they. Do. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. He would probably never work except for showing up to vote. Yeah, that's probably much. what would happen. I mean, so what are your, 
So if we go to Georgia, which is yeah. the uh, which is the other state. Hey guys, you know, gonna, I was I'm going to let Paul take it from here. Paul, you um, thank you, Kilroy. But um, I'm going to let Paul take it. He's got some great stuff, and and uh, appreciate all of you know the Kilroy listeners. On. Yep, thank you. All right, all right. I'm still here. All righty. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, Connor. Yeah, Connor had a family uh, thing to go to, but but I can stay on for a couple more minutes. So what I was saying about uh, what I was going to say about Georgia was I was not, you know, Herschel Walker had a, a really rough start uh, when it came to this campaign. He was unpolished. He was having a hard time articulating himself. And I've got to say that he is one of the hardest working people in this whole campaign cycle. The way that he has improved his mm-hmm. political ability, the way he can talk about the issues. I think he did great in the debate against Warnock. I mean, he just, he's, it's just a really, really impressive job. And I, I, I also think he's so relatable to people, yes. you know, he's, Absolutely. he's, because I think, I mean, I granted relatable, we didn't all win Heisman trophies, right? I wish right, that would right. have been a, a, a nice thing to do, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, he's really, I think somebody that has connected with people and, you know, Warnock is, just like another Stacey Abrams or, you know, what Ayanna Presley or any of the squad members. I mean, he once he's, you know, bashed America, he divides people by race. Um, I don't think that that he's done particularly much as a as a senator since he's been in. Mm-hmm. And it's just really impressive what what Herschel's done. I'm just really proud of him as a person. I mean, this is somebody that's overcome mental illness, that mm-hmm. had a tough life growing up, and he has just, you know, I think worked work. hard and just shown what you can do and what you that you can succeed. And that's why I love this country. Herschel Walker is, I think, a great example of 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 American success story. You know, and and they're oh, trying yeah. to do to they're trying to do to him what they did to Kavanaugh. Sure. Now, with all these oh, yeah. unnamed people coming out right before years the race. Later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unnamed, you know, and of course the election will be over and, and that'll never be heard from again. No, nope, you'll never hear it again. So, yeah, and I I really want Herschel Walker to win. I would just be yeah. so, it would be so amazing. And I yeah. think that I we'll think see. he could be we'll a see. great, a great role model too for, for, uh, for young people. Um, both for for African Americans and for everybody, because just a prime example of oh, absolutely uh, what you can do in this country. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a good point, Paul. Good point. You know, that that's one good thing about our country. You know, <laughs> it's it's awesome. His opponent, <laughs> though, his opponent's a pastor, right? And isn't he a pastor mm. in uh, Martha Luther King's uh, church? I believe. Am I wrong about that? And of course, yeah, I think all, he is. Yeah, he's all he's all for abortion. A pastor. Oh yeah, he doesn't follow. I don't understand how he, he says I, that he follows the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't either. Doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's almost like another Jeremiah Wright. Oh yeah, remember? Oh yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's he's another one. So I, I I think Walker can pull that one off. And Rasmussen, which is I think one of the most respectable respectable polling agencies out there. Uh, they they had a poll out yesterday with him up by five, and hmm. I mean, can you believe? I mean, he was down double digits to Warnock over the summer. 
Wow. So the question is, and and I actually think that, remember, that could very well go to a runoff. So remember, you have to get 50% to keep it from going to a runoff. So right now, the two latest polls have Walker at 48 and Warnock at 43. There is a uh, an independent, someone else running in that race. So I can't remember. Then it's like a, a different candidate. Like there's an independent. I can't remember the name of the person. But um, there is. I mean, he's now within striking distance of 50% to avoid a runoff. But I will tell you, I think if it goes to a runoff, he will win. In the I runoff. think so too. So, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think the Republicans are going to have a much stronger turnout in the yeah. runoff than the Democrats yeah. will be. It's going to be the opposite of of uh, twenty twenty. Do you think, Paul, in your personal opinion, let's say it, it works out the way we're hoping it's going to, Republicans win both houses, the governors, a lot of the governors are winning in, in across the country with Republicans. What do you think the White House is going to do with Biden after that? What do, you, what, do you, what do you see happening? Do you think they're going to let him go on and, and, and take his medication and just string him along for another two years? I don't see how this guy's going to last another two years. Do you? No, I mean, it's just his mental acuity is, is so far down. But he is there, and he's going to keep pushing. Um, you know, but more importantly, what the White House does is, is going to do, and, I, I, you know, obviously we're, we don't have much time. Maybe we can come on another show and talk to you about this, but – I have yeah. a lot of opinions on on what I think the Republican uh, Congress should be focusing on when they take power. Yeah, and we can yeah. talk about the specific issues, but I think they need to get right in there and they need to start passing bills that are going to positively impact uh, the uh, what what the American people think about. They've got to pass bills to cut spending, to to rein in inflation. They've got to pass bills to give parents more control. You know how the, the mm-hmm. Department of Education, you know, they the Department of Education has all this power now where, yes. you know, if you don't let boys use the girls' bathroom, then they take your money away and your yes. school lunch money. I think they've got to find a way to get more choice back in the parents. I think they can't allow, um, you know, the genital mutilation or gender-affirming care without, you know, until you're 18. I think that should be a... a uh, national law that they put forward. I think they should put together a really good comprehensive immigration reform plan. I think they should, uh, I think there's just a whole, you know, a crime bill like what they did, what Clinton did in, in the nineties. I think mm-hmm. we need to do that again. So I think, I really hope that the Republicans can put forward some good bills like that and not, not get caught up in endless investigations and just start talking about Hunter Biden. And yeah. I think I think they will, because if you look at what I talked about, how brilliant a campaign they run, the Republicans haven't been talking too much about Hunter Biden and investigations and everything. Mm-hmm. It's been all about the issues, and that's yes. what's wanted for them. And I think if finally, they want to get the finally, White they're House doing before, something <laughs> right. It's finally right. Yeah. It's yeah. finally, and if if they can continue that in when they take control of Congress, then I think that's going to help them a lot for twenty twenty four. Absolutely, Paul. Thanks a lot for you guys coming on today and uh really do appreciate it um we'll have to do this again sometime maybe after the election or something or however you guys feel you want to come back on but thank you so much for coming on man really do appreciate it and uh, all the information you've given us really really helpful yeah thank you so much yeah we love it kilroy we love coming on your show um you do great work and you know you we've all got to we're all in this together 
and we've just got to make sure that we save our country and and you know we're happy to talk to you anytime and i'd love to come we'd love to come on in a you know in a few months and yeah. chat again absolutely my friend well uh uh say uh send my best to connor again and uh god bless you guys and uh, we'll talk to you soon all right kilroy you have a great evening you too take care